I find it humbling to be up here today uh, to share. So, I was trained in a classical way of preparing sermons where um, it takes a minimum of 40 hours of preparation, actually, to put together a proper sermon. Because you're doing word studies and you're doing background, you know, like you're doing cultural background uh, checks and things, not like, you know, criminal record checks or things like that. But, but yeah, you're, you're trying to understand the context in which a lot of the scripture has been written. And um, normally that doesn't frighten me, you know, taking 40, 40 hours of prep and boiling it down to, you know, anywhere between 20 and 40 minutes to try to present something that is tangible and it's life-giving and there's immediate implications to your life, like you can, you can do something with it right away. But with this particular topic, the meaning of life, it's taken more than 40 hours truthfully, uh, you know, to, to summarize this very thing. Like, what is the answer, the meaning of life? And, and it is amazing that we serve a God who knew the end from the beginning, and he wrote the end in the beginning. And so this whole question of the meaning, meaning of life I've found to be much simpler of an answer than we think it is, than we often think it is. And I can give reasons and illustrations as to why it seems more difficult than it truly is. Because the answer to the question, what is the meaning of life, isn't actually so difficult. Why is this thing? Hold on, I'm not, I'm not changing slides, okay? <laughs> go back. Just go back. Thank you. I'll tell you. Okay, it's going to be okay. So, I'm just channeling my inner Indian. <laughs> right, up your guess hand. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get on, back on track because it's actually, a, it's a huge topic, but I know that God actually wants to boil this right down to something very tangible uh, that you can do something with immediately. So, again, the, the answer to the, what, is the, what is the meaning of life is, is truly a very simple answer, but it's the walking out of that answer that is complicated. And part of the reason why it's complicated for us in the West specifically is because of the other things that play, that play huge parts in the foundations of our belief system. And the different kind of philosophies that have worked their way into religion. Religion itself plays a large part in the difficulty of living this out. Because it's truly only in the absence of any kind of humanism, it's in the absence of religion, it's in the absence of a philosophy that we begin our journey into the meaning of life, into the purpose of life. I'm just going to rest on that because that might have been pretty heavy. Okay, so basically we have to let everything go so that we can begin. Everything needs to cease so that everything can begin. Sometimes I find that maybe I'm sitting on a mountaintop somewhere, philosophizing. And this is one of those times. So, another struggle this week, though, 
in this prep was recognize, like, I don't know what happened, but suddenly I was hit with the fact that there's the internet and there's YouTube. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of phenomenal teaching on basically everything. Phenomenal preachers and teachers, theologians, philosophers, who have incredible information to give to us. And often I find that the challenge in, in a Sunday morning is, a lot of times people go to church for an education or a bit more information or some more knowledge. And it's actually the pursuit of knowledge in and of itself that is getting in the way of answering this question and having a true meaningful purpose, purposeful life. So, with that I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask uh, Clayton and Christina to come up. They have a phenomenal testimony and I think that it plays perfectly into what God has, has in store for us this morning. Father, I thank you so much that you truly are the answer. And that you have a great plan and a great purpose that is not a secret. There is no secret that has not been uh, unveiled in Jesus. And so we thank you for that, and I thank you for everything you're doing this morning. Amen. So, I will just simply wait for the man in the back to come. Come? Sorry, it's the come. You know, it's an upside-down kingdom. Come. Here we do this. There they do this. It's upside down. All right, so some of you may, may or may not know this beautiful couple, Clayton and Christina Unruh, from parts known and unknown. <laughs> and uh, do you want to lead into this, or do you just want to give her? Um, do you want to lead in, or do you want... I guess I'm going to explain. Okay. I'll try to explain. Um, I guess there's two pieces of background. I don't know how detailed to go on this. Um, Christina's pregnant. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. And our first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage, which was a few years ago now. But that's the background. So then two weeks ago, ew. Um, two weeks ago, she started feeling the same symptoms, so then she made a doctor's appointment to try to go get checked out, was feeling distant and irritable and um, couldn't feel the presence um, of the baby. So then uh, made a doctor's appointment and tried Thank to get... <laughs> made a doctor's appointment to get checked out, went to go checked out. Uh, they couldn't find a heartbeat with the uh, ultrasound thingy. Um, so then a bunch of you found out from Ken because we texted him and said, hey, this is going on. Can you pray for us? He told a bunch of you guys who also prayed for us and we got some texts and whatever. And then um, we were supposed to have an ultrasound on Saturday, which didn't end up getting booked until Monday, which was a stressful weekend. Um, and then, I don't know if you want to... Um, yeah, so that whole week I was feeling just really worried and kind of like I had with my first miscarriage. 
Um, yeah, so, and then we didn't hear the heartbeats, and then we waited three days for the ultrasound. And I don't know, in those three days, I guess I just decided that I wanted this baby and declared life over it, and everyone prayed, and that was amazing. Um, yeah, so I went in to the ultrasound, and there was a heartbeat. And so... Yeah, and the baby was a week younger than it was supposed to be. So we were just really sure that it had died and it came back. So. So I'm just going to ask a few of you to come up and to help celebrate the rebirth of this birthing of this baby. And we're going to say thank you to Jesus that there is actually resurrection power Right? So come on. If you believe in resurrection power, just come celebrate Jesus. And we're just going to take a minute. And just, God clearly has a story within this child of its own restoration. And so one of the things we're going to ask for is that it will remember that crossing over and back. It's just, you know, it's kind of going, hey, I don't know. Well, maybe I like it in both ways. So... So just, I'm just going to pray real quick, and then we'll all sit down, but just let's be in agreement. Father, we thank you so much for this child. We thank you for the power of the resurrection gift of Holy Spirit within, within Christina that allowed her to just bubble up with faith to believe and speak and declare. She believed the thing in her heart. She declared it with her mouth, and you made it so. And it was that there was life in this child. We believe that every child is a gift from heaven, a reward from heaven. And so we thank you once again for that resurrection life in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, that this is one sign of many to come about resurrection life in, in, in Winnipeg, in, in Catch the Fire that this is a place of miracles, this is where miracles happen. And so we thank you so much for that, Father, that as we're in your presence, as we recognize ourselves within your presence, that there is absolutely nothing that is impossible with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, guys. All right, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Oh, I just want to break forth in song and dance, but I'll spare you. So, um... I think that's pretty remarkable, right? We find life in Him. And so here's the great secret that, the, that so many yearn to know. What is the meaning of life? So I'll give you the end of the story, at the beginning of the story, not unlike what the Lord Himself did. He is the meaning of life. And it sounds simplistic. But it truly is radically deep. And it's the unfolding of that very thing. Of that very truth that begins to change our lives. And so, some of, like, I'm not going <laughs> to, man, did I ever do some study. I studied humanism, secular humanism, hedonism, deism, theism, cessationism, materialism, philosophy. All these different things that, that have an impact on the way that we think the very foundations of our quote-unquote Christian belief system are heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by philosophy, Greek philosophy, which truly is actually, at its very core, the very nature of philosophy is the love of wisdom. Philosophy is also basically the study of anything 
and all things. And to, I mean, it's, it's, it gave birth to psychology. It gave birth to, to uh, mathematics. It gave, like, it just gave birth to so many, very, so many things. And uh, it's impl- uh, impacted us in basically every area of our lives. And one of the things that, that has happened over time is man really loves to worship himself. Have you ever noticed that? And I, and I, like, this is totally not a chastising type of message, right? It's simply that we need to topple over some of these things that think that they have power over us, that think that they rule over us, and they entice us, right, by staying in the darkness, by staying in, in, in an invisible or unseen realm so that we just give greater and greater and greater worship to ourselves. We worship knowledge. Specifically, the Western mind worships knowledge. We desire so greatly to know. And then, we want to understand. And if we cannot understand, then maybe it's not real. And so that's what happens, actually, is for most of us, rationalism, which actually is uh, part of humanism and lots of isms, give us rationalism. And what happens with rationalism is it takes the supernatural away because we can't, we can't rationalize the supernatural. It's, it's an invisible force. It's something that seems to be out of our grasp, out of, our, uh, out of reach for us. And it's almost like we have to pretend or imagine something. But even with the imagination, largely, we struggle with that as well bringing it into reason. Now, God is not outside of reason. reason. True reason is found within him. True purpose is found within him. And so you don't need to take my word for it. Okay, we're going to change slides here. You don't need to uh, take my word for it. The meaning of life, a journey that goes inward, upward, and outward. Great. So whether that slide changes or not. (laughs) There, okay. Our aim is to look at life from a human point of view, specifically desiring to understand why we are here. That is part of the human condition, if you will. That is what we aim for in life, is we want understanding. And for a lot lot of us, it isn't like this overwhelming thought or or sense of being that that, uh, stops us from day to day or, or even is something that is in our conscious mind from moment to moment. But there comes time in every person's life where they question the meaning of life, right? We even have, we have phrases for it. Uh, uh, what is this beautiful phrase? Um, you have a struggle at midlife, what's that called? A midlife crisis, right? <laughs> and it's interesting because... Well, I don't know who determined what midlife was. You know, I just, I just celebrated a, a birthday. I'm now 47 years old. I'm, I, and I, I told a group of people last night, I am so looking forward to turning 50 because I actually believe that 50, for me specifically, is a platform into something so much beyond, so much greater than anything that I've experienced to now. I can hardly wait to get to 50. However, as I was telling my wife Jen today, I don't want to skip the next three years because they're quintessential. They're really important 
to create the foundation for that platform of 50 that is going to launch me into the next thing. But anyway, and, and thank God, like he allows me to know some of those things ahead of time. And so I have great, great, great uh, anticipation for turning 50. But right now, you know, I, I, I find myself looking around and realizing there are so many people who actually find themselves becoming depressed or underwhelmed with life or sometimes overwhelmed with the things of life. And they really start to question, like, like what is the point? Truly, what is the point? And so religion gives this wonderful, wonderful thing that says, hey, man, just make it through. Just make it through this. And when you die, you're going to get all this great stuff. Wow. That is an underwhelming thought. For why should I suffer through this now if upon death I'm going to receive this great reward? Then kill me now. That's the truth of it, right? Truly, if everything that is good and glorious and wonderful and majestic and mystical in the eyes of man, but so real in the eyes of God, if all of that is so wonderful but is on the other side of death, then why am I alive? Why? But what if I was to tell you that it's all a sham, it's all a lie, that it's not on the other side of death, except the death of one named Jesus? It was upon his death that we now get to go in and experience the glory of God. We get to now live in the truth of the blessings of everything that he has for us. At some point, I should get back to my notes. Let's change slides there, please, if you don't mind. Oh. So, I had the, the beautiful experience of studying Ecclesiastes as well in this journey. And a lot of people would say, like actually philosophers around the world use the book of Ecclesiastes as well to show that there's no point or meaning. Missing the whole point of the book, which is, as, which is that there is a huge point and a huge meaning, and it's found in him. That in fact, at the very end of the day, what you should do is you should celebrate your day. You should eat you should drink. You should be with your friends and enjoy the toil of your labors. You should enjoy it because they are truly a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. And so therefore you should celebrate in that which you have, not in the things that you don't have. And there's such actual tangible meaning within the book of Ecclesiastes because it's simply saying, man, I've tried everything. I'm just going to sum up the whole 12 chapters in this. I tried it all and it was all meaningless and pointless as not unlike chasing after the wind which is again you have no idea what direction the wind is going or whatever. It's sort of fruitless unless you see him in it. Unless you find yourself in God. Because as great as philosophy can be as great as our own worldview can be for us, it's never going to amount to anything. It's not going to be enough. It'll never satiate that hunger and desire that's deep in your heart that gives you meaning, that gives you purpose. That give, like there's a longing in all of us, truly, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Even in those who don't believe. 
because there's still something they're searching for. There's still something they're hungry for. And it can be masked by the different things of the world. But again, Solomon, who we believe to be the writer of Ecclesiastes, he, he just he blows us out of the water in the, in the effort he went to figure out, okay, is there going to be any point to pleasure? I'm going to pursue pleasure with my utmost being, recognizing, though, that I'm going to follow pleasure with wisdom rather than just folly. So folly being that there's um, just garbage. There is, there is joy in wisdom. There is, there is pleasure in doing things out of wisdom or through wisdom, right? So for anyways, we won't go. <laughs> we all know you can do stupid things, right? We all know we can go and do all kinds of, you know, things that would, would give us momentary pleasure in, or a sense of pleasure, but at the end of the day, it actually brings more harm. And so he, he sought out both ways, and he found out that pursuing pleasure with wisdom was still a good thing, but it wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. He pursued a, the accumulation of things, right? There was nobody wealthier. And so his capacity to chase after the, the things of the world was beyond anything you and I could possibly imagine. And at the end of that pursuit, he still came back and said, man, it just still isn't enough. Because there's always more. But it's an intangible. And so th this thing in Ecclesiastes, the story through Ecclesiastes is a chasing after the intangible through tangible measures. But you cannot escape the intangible. It's still there. The unseen realm truly is where all life-giving comes from. So I'm going to just read Ecclesiastes 1, 13 and 14. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless like a chasing after the wind. A brief overview of this book of wisdom, which is what the world calls it, will tell us that Solomon, or whoever the author was, it's not absolutely for a fact Solomon named in, within the book, but we believe it to be him. He found that human existence had no real meaning or value outside of God. See, because all of the good stuff, our friends, our food, the work we have, the days we live, the breath we breathe, is actually a gift from God. So outside of the recognition of God, you're just never going to walk into the totality of what is available for you. Now, sadly, Solomon was experiencing this, what we believe, at the end of his life. You know, uh, some people would say uh, he had gone astray or whatever. I don't know if, if, if you're ever on a journey, which we all are, I don't know that there is something called astray. You're on your journey. God knew it from the beginning. He knew the very path you were taking. All is good. He's okay. He's not shaken by the paths you're taking. He's not surprised by the paths you're taking. So therefore, it's just a journey. You're not gone astray. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Let's go to the next slide, please. Acts 17.28 says, It is through him that we live and function and have our identity, just as your own poets have said. Our lineage comes from him. Your very existence, your DNA, literally actually comes from God himself. Everything in you comes from him. 
this isn't some mystical thing out there. It's not an ethereal thing. It's not something that is just, you know, outside of our grasp of understanding. This is, a, this is, this is what it is. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Until you find yourself lost in him, you're never going to find yourself. So many of us are actually on a journey to figure out who we are. Would you say that's true? It was even just a few years ago that I recognized that we're living in a generation that struggles with identity more than most generations have. And so in this pursuit of identity, we're truly only going to find ourselves in him. Truly. That's where we find ourselves. And so I'm going to jump ahead in my notes here a bit. If the conclusion that Solomon came up with is to, believe, to be believed, then how do we go about living our lives with some sense of true fulfillment in the light of all that we encounter? So if we recognize that God is at the center of all things, He's the center of our lives, whether we, we, whether we want to accept that fact or not, He's there. How do we bring ourselves into a tangible place? What do we do on a daily basis that will allow... This is crazy, right? This is a lot. We're just going to read every word. On our own, some other day. Right now, we're going to do the highlighted. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come to, that they might have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. So... How do we go about this? We have to have this understanding that there is something at work against us, even within our own philosophy, even within our own understanding of who we are and how the world is laid out. There are things at work against us. The Bible is very clear about it, that we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, principalities, and authorities. That is the actual struggle. So even in your own mind, in your own understanding, or your concept of God is actually being like attacked it is actually being attacked at its very foundation. So that's why we're told to renew our minds. Be renewed, right? Be transformed through the renewing of your minds. And it is a full transformation when you begin to recognize, first of all, there is an enemy, and the enemy is at, at work against us. The enemy tried to take a baby. Yeah? And then what happened? Somebody said, no, not today. Today, this baby lives, and I know it. And God gave that supernatural faith, and immediately, there's breath within that baby. Because there is a higher truth. See, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, is in pursuit of something higher and greater than us. Even though often, we are at the top of that altar. We find ourselves on the top of that altar, and we need to dethrone ourselves. Because I have to understand. I have to know everything. It's got to make sense to me. Well, then it's about you, buddy. But when you dethrone yourself, you take yourself off that throne, what's left? Then you begin to fall and you begin to see that even the foundations upon which you're standing may not be solid truth. Because we're even questioning who we are based on how we see ourselves or how the world sees us. We're not questioning who we are based on what God has said about us. At what point in your life is it important to focus on what he says about you? At what point in your life is it okay to just challenge everything that you've experienced within the religious realm and say, no, 
life looks different. This baby is allowed to live. No matter what preacher has ever said likewise or otherwise. Right? Jesus comes to give life and to give life more abundantly. He brings life to be celebrated. See, he believes, remember what Solomon said, that if you're going to do anything, really, at the end of the day, man, you should just enjoy your life. Enjoy the work that you're doing. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the drink. Enjoy the friends. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that and more. I want you to celebrate even more because there is nothing that's coming against you that I have not already defeated within you. Nothing. There's nothing that has defeated you. Less that which you have allowed to defeat you. But you're here. You're still breathing. You're still holding on to hope that there's something more. And there is more. This thing. Let's see. And now we begin the sermon. <laughs> the journey inward, upward, and outward. It's not three separate journeys. It's the same journey all in one time, at one time. For you cannot, actually, you cannot actually enter the kingdom. You cannot experience the kingdom unless you turn inward. And there's this big thing about turning inward. Oh, man, that's, you know, that's psychobabble. It's actually not psychobabble. It is a true statement. For Jesus says that the kingdom of God is within you. So if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you have to recognize that the kingdom of God is within you. You've got to turn in. You've got to shake off. All of, the, all of the notions that tell you that that is some kind of a secularism way or a secular way of thinking that's been popularized through psychology and things like that. Because when you turn inward, recognize this, that you will, you will find yourself. You will confront yourself. Absolutely. But at the core, just keep going, keep going, keep going. You're going to find that God is right in the middle. All right, so let's go to the next slide. I have these pictures, I know it's not looking super sharp or whatever, but there's these pictures within these slides that are showing um, a castle, an inner castle, rooms within the castle. Okay, next slide with the, with the library. Yes, right there. Finding and reading our scrolls is important. If you want to recognize like the purpose of your life, maybe you want to read the scrolls of your life. Okay? Luke 17, 21, neither shall they say, Lord, here or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Great. So I go inside, and then what do I find? Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Well, how do I go about doing that? Again, we, we go about doing that by recognizing the truth of Scripture that is found actually within your life. It's in you. God has made this very plain and clear, but we allow things to, to complicate it. Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the, so this is an intentional act. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So it doesn't make a difference what happens in our life. It really doesn't. There's always going to be some sort of struggle. Jesus said, it's, he said so himself. He actually said, hey man, in this world you will have trouble. Whoa. <laughs> you know? And we go to Jesus, oh man, there's so much trouble right now. Can you know, can do something? I have done something, actually. You know, and I, I recognize you want me to come down, but I've already come down. And then I laid down, and then I got back up again. So that you don't have to lie down. But we do, we lie down, you know, and, and, and we take a beating sometimes. And, and we do have things in our lives that are real. They're real hurts, they're real issues. Things that we do truly struggle through. Right? But there's a point to it. And there's a hope in Jesus. There is truly a hope. 
And we have to intentionally, okay? So this is for the left brain and the right brain. So God showed me something today. Do you know that no one was born left brain or right brain? It develops over time, okay? So as a child, as a baby, there is imagination. As a baby, that holds, you know, thing, curtain, you know, that separates left and right brain has, re- has no, like it doesn't do anything, really. You're not thinking through reason. A child imagines something, they draw it, and away we go. Or, they, you know, a little boy or a girl takes a little car and goes along the table. No big deal. It's only as we get older that we begin to put away these things. But the Lord is saying, don't put away these things. That is the very thing that is going to help you to see how glorious life truly is. So you need to challenge yourself when you say, well, I'm left brain. Well, I'm right brain. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's not about that. It truly isn't. This is the truth. I have set the Lord continually before me. Whether you're left brain or right brain, that's it. That's it. You choose. It's a choice. We make a choice. We make a choice to believe God above everything else. We make a choice to walk in the truth above everything else. It doesn't matter that science might say this thing. In the end, science comes back to God and says, aha. Okay? Rationalism. God is the God of reason, but here's the thing. He loves when you chase him. It's like a game for him. It's like, come, find me. Seek me out. I love you so much. I'm playing hide and seek with you. Hide and seek was a fun game as a child. As an adult, we start going, where are you, God? We quit so, so quickly. You know, oh, my life sucks right now. Where are you? Come over here. Take your eyes off of you. Put your eyes on me. And suddenly, you begin to see the joy that he brings, the love that he brings, the laughter that he brings. Because you know what? He truly is the answer. He conquered it all. I don't know how much more of an answer you need. You know, like, so, yeah, lots of you know that, that I, I have a son who's, who's currently out of his mind because of methamphetamines, and he's just in a really difficult place. But I'll tell you what, I can have total joy because I know that my God is greater than this thing, this demonic entity that, that chooses to drug us and intoxicate us and give us false identities and give us false understandings of who we are and, and what the world really is all about. I know that my God, who started a good thing within my son, will actually see it through to completion. And so therefore I can live day to day knowing that there's a hope and there's a joy and there's a peace and it needs to invade my son's life. And I know actually as well that as a father, just like I just got this revelation the other day. Just as my father knitted me together in my mother's womb, so then too I have the gift of a father able to sew together, to knit back together the fragmented part of my son. When we believe, because nothing is impossible for those who believe. Zero. Child was dead. Child was alive. Right? You were dead to sin. You were dead in sin, sorry. And Jesus brought you from that life of darkness in the dark. And he brought you into life in light. This is the point of celebration. The meaning of life isn't some dark, dreary, sad thing that we wrestle through and try to figure out at the end of the day. No, it's a point of celebration that Jesus truly is the answer. That in you truly is the hope of glory. Just waiting to be manifested. And truly, if all you do for the rest of your life is you sit there and you just... Give gratitude to God for your work. If you give gratitude to God for the gift of breathing, 
for food, for shelter, for friends. You will enjoy life. You will have others to shoulder part of the burden when you feel low and hurting. This is not an intangible. It is 100% tangible. In fact, God chose and chooses to dwell within you so that others might experience him through you. That makes him tangible to the world. If people around you believe that God is, in, is intangible, as in he's non-expressive, he can't, like he's unrelatable, like there's no physicality to him, then where are we? And again, this isn't about guilt, but this is also just figure out, man, like he made you to manifest himself through you. There's glory in that. 